Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview-style podcast. Those interviews are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved, like all of my guests are, is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to competitive teams, racers, rock crawlers, business owners, employees, media and private park owners, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active and off-road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world we live and love and call off-road. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Have you seen Four Low Magazine yet? Four Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Four Low is the magazine for you. Four Low cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit fourlowmagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Austin Hera. Austin is spotter extraordinaire in rock crawling from the from the middle ages of rock crawling I'd I'd call it and then uh he's also the CEO and president of Highlift. So Austin, thank you for coming on board and spending some time and uh talking with us. Well, Rich, thanks for having me and I appreciate your podcast and what you're doing for the industry. It's a really informative show that is often also fun and funny to listen to. Well, we try to. We try to be entertaining and give people a history lesson at the same time. So let's uh, let's dive right in like we always do. And uh, Austin, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in Bloomfield, Indiana, um, small town. I think we have close to 2,500 people. And uh, it's probably 90 miles south southwest of indianapolis okay i was wondering exactly where it was i knew that it was near indy so so let's uh let's talk about about that and you know what what was life like growing up there oh well it was you know just any small town america i mean everybody knew your business everybody knew uh where you were supposed to be and where you weren't supposed to be at any time um you didn't just have one set of parents, you know, you had the whole neighborhood, the whole town looked after everybody. I mean, we have, we have two stoplights, so you couldn't really do anything across town and mom and dad wouldn't know about it by the time you got home. You had two stoplights. That's awesome. Still do. (laughs) That's excellent. You know, that's one reason I love Mason, Texas, where we have our hotel and where we're probably going to end up settling some year is that, uh, we have a stop sign. Oh, and no stoplights. Nice. It does make it nice. Traffic sometimes gets a little backed up, but you know, it's, it's better than the interstates. Yeah, absolutely. So then, um, with everybody knowing your business and knowing your parents, knowing what you were doing all the time. And I grew up in a town of like 50,000 people and it still seemed like that was the case. Yeah. But, uh, what was, uh, what was school like for you? Uh, school here in Bloomfield was, you know, fun. Um, we had a really close class as far as just being friendly and everything. Um, just elementary school. I really can't remember much of that. I mean, it's been so long, not really that long, but it seems like a long time. Uh, high school and junior high, you know, was, uh, we, we had a pretty good basketball team that I wasn't part of. Um, but I played golf in high school and, actually started off-roading in high school when I shouldn't have been off-roading, but that's part of it. You know. <laughs> let's, uh, we'll get back to the golf here in a bit, but let's get to, uh, let's find out about some of that, uh, that off-roading that you shouldn't have been doing. 
Well, my parents had a uh, one of the first generation Gators. Um, I remember quite vividly. It was the day before we started our freshman year of high school, and all my buddies were over, and my parents were gone or something, and we took their their Gators, brand new, and just absolutely buried it up to the frame uh, behind their house. We had a you know pretty good sized woods behind our house where we'd cut trails for four wheelers and things, but the gator was not so lucky, and that was uh, probably about five hours of digging and actually using a high lift jack <laughs> to get Excellent. it out. And we thought you know we thought we had it all cleaned up really good, you know. And the next day, my dad took it somewhere and like raised the bed up to dump something. Noticed that the engine was just covered in mud, and then. You know, then I learned my lesson after that. Yeah, <laughs> with, make with sure. his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that, you find like, all the mud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, well, he's not going to let me use this, so I need to find something <laughs> for myself. So I ended up buying a a seventy nine CJ seven, and had that for a couple of years. But that was pretty much what we did. You know, we'd go to school, and and after school, we'd you know find some farm lane that had that wasn't maintained and we just go mudding, I guess you would say. Okay. And, uh, did your dad have any, you know, besides the gator, did he, did he, was he in four wheel drive um, very often or? Yeah. I mean, everything we, you know, we live in Indiana, so all our vehicles are always full drive, but the, um, you would think a guy who ran high lift jack company and off-road recovery company would want to, get out and get in the woods and whatnot. But he, he was uh, very meticulous on his vehicles. So they were always spotless. Um, and even with our, you know, shop Jeeps, they were that way too. I think he went to like two or three, uh, Jeep jamborees and hated every minute of it. Just because everything was, everything was so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I understand that. It, it kind of cracks me up because of that, you know, with, with owning that implement company, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, you would think just the opposite. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, that's what that thing is used for. Um, yeah. He never understood our, our passion for going out and, you know, breaking and breaking getting stuck tracks. and stuff like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He just shook his head at us all the time. I mean, he, he understood why, you know, why it was important, but, uh, he, he didn't stop us, but he didn't help us either. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So when you were going to school, what kind of a student were you? I, first of all, I, I, end, I always think of golfers as being studious and, you know, kind of toeing the line. Yeah, that, that pretty much was not the case in my educational <laughs> career. I mean, high school, it was, uh, you know, it was, I was mediocre and you know, I got A's and B's. I mean, nothing nothing bad. I never, I never studied. Um, I, I don't think I ever brought a book home in high school. Uh, it was not that it came natural. It just wasn't really that difficult, but I found out, you know, after high school that, that I was not doing the, myself any favors for college down the road. But I think a lot was, of us, a lot of us realized that after it was too late, I've been talking yeah. to our, our, oldest grandson is 13 and getting ready to start eighth grade. And, uh, he went with me to Washington just a couple of weeks ago for the, for our rock crawl. And I told him, you know, the next five years are probably going to be the most important years of your life, preparing yourself for adulthood. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like, you know, what are you smoking? Yeah. And, uh, I told him, I said, you know, you five years, you can almost do standing on your head, go to school, get, learn as much as you can, figure out what it is that you want to do and apply yourself, you know, knowing that all the cool kids that are not going to school and the ones that are hanging out and smoking and, you know, under the bleachers or, you know, what that kind of thing are not after high school, they're no longer cool. Right. You know, yeah, they're the, the guys. Wore off pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, those are the guys that are going to be, you know, not applying themselves even later on in life, or more than likely not. Maybe right. you know, I know some guys that were that way from high school that, you know, that 
have done really well, but that's far and few between. So, right. you know, I, I, my, my goal, and then, it, then when we got home, Shelly told him the same thing, you know, and he was probably looking at us going, God, you guys are ganging up on me. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, he's, he's a typical kid, you know, he just wants to go out and have fun and be accepted socially. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's fine, but, you know, don't get caught up in doing what everybody else is doing. Just, you know, try to do good in school and realize that, you know, it's, it's building blocks for your future. Absolutely. Yeah. If I could do it all over again, there would be a lot of things different. Uh, not necessarily with the end result, but just, you know, the, the hard time I had in college, just learning to learn and trying to figure out how to study and time management, you know, being away from, you know, rules. Right. I mean, when I was in high school, I mean, I had a, my parents kept a pretty short leash on me. I mean, I, they didn't want me to make mistakes that they'd seen other people make. And, you know, I'd have to be home at 10 or 10 30 on a weekend, which, you know, well, that's, that was, yeah, it was, it was absurd, you know, to me. And it was, you know, military school and it was like this, this house is a prison type thing. And, you know, it was just rough. But then when I got to college, it was like, holy cow, this is, this is not, <laughs> I am not cut out for this type of freedom at this age. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't fare too well. Uh, my first semester, I, I, I ended up getting a full-time job and, uh, I never went to class. Uh, I think the first, I think my first semester report, report card, I had like a 0.3 GPA <laughs> and, you know, I was, it was pretty impressive. I was proud of it. Cause you know, I don't think you could really get that bad, but <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun <laughs> and it probably molded a lot of things in my life at that point. But yeah. I, and that's when the, that's when the college education fund from my parents quit. I remember over Christmas break, my dad took me to our local bank to get myself a student loan to pay for the second semester <laughs> he was he was done <laughs> now did you pay that student loan back all by yourself oh yeah i paid it was i think it was like five thousand dollars and i paid it off i want to say i paid it off in two or three years right so i had i had a job so I mean, it wasn't i wasn't you know destitute but right it, it was just a it was another teachable moment you know you're not gonna you're not going to go down there and just waste all my money and <laughs> come back with nothing. I think teachable moments are are very important. Yeah. It's uh, and I'm I hope that uh, I really hope that parents nowadays or in the future start getting more into those teachable moments because our society sure does need it. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. I mean, it's. You know, you can you can make it in life with you know a lot of common sense and life lessons. Sometimes easier than you can with you know big fancy degrees and how many books you can read. It's true. You need you need some life lessons, and I I definitely feel like I got those at that point. Uh, I went to school uh, with the intentions of going for hotel management, hotel and resort management. Okay, because I wanted to be uh, on the water. And I think it was the first, well, this was at the second school I went to and, uh, they, uh, the first day they were like, Oh, you know, with this, with this program and this degree, you know, you'll be able to manage, um, you know, a motel six or, you know, maybe a Hampton Inn. I was like, man, this is, this is not what I was hoping for this. I mean, I want, you know, the Ritz Carlton in Cabo or somewhere like that. <laughs> They so got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and that that changed my changed my plans there a little bit. And uh, then we had a a, a manager here, plant manager, uh, take another job. And so basically, I got a phone call from my dad saying, "Hey, I need you to come back and do this job." I was like, "Well, you know, I'm in college," and he's like, "Well." this is when life happens. You're coming back here and you're going to start working and you're going to take this over one day. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'm going to do now. So then I quit that school and came back to work. But, so the, 
I'll, I'll ask you because I think it's important. How did you feel at that moment? I was excited, you know, for one, um, just because I, at that point I knew that I was going to eventually hopefully come back here and, uh, you know, I wanted to be part of this business. I didn't know much about it, you know, when I was obviously in junior high or high school, but you know, after, after going through, uh, some college and working some other places, it was just, I was like, man, that, you know, that sounds pretty nice. I mean, it's, it's going to be stressful, but you know, it's also rewarding at the same time. Right. Well, that's good. Cause I, I, I always fear that, uh, that in those kind of situations, there's not a lot of, uh, excitement about going into the family business. I know that, uh, you know, I didn't have that, uh, that option. My dad was a tool and die maker in the federal government machinist. And, uh, you know, I knew I wasn't going into the government service and I knew I wasn't going to become a tool and die maker machinist for it, for that. But, um, you know, what I, what I gained from him was the, the hard work. I mean, there was times where he yeah. had three jobs, Besides the government job, just trying to right. uh, make ends meet or make life better for us. So, um, you know, I really appreciated all that. And I think that that helped me with my work ethic. Um, but also it was the the desire to to move on and, and find what it was I really wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. My my grand my grandma and my both my parents, uh, neither one of they did not want me working here. They always wanted me to go do something else. And I'm like, Oh, that's just, you know, that's just crazy. You know, why, why not? And now it's like, Oh, I see, I see what you're, see what you're saying. <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot easier to go and work sometimes for somebody else than it is to work with or for your family. Right. So is the, is the, let's, let's talk about the business a little bit. Um, is the family, is it a family owned business still? Yes. Okay. Yep. We, we have, uh, five shareholders. Okay. Uh, my, myself, my two sisters, um, my mother and, uh, my dad's sister. Okay. And, uh, any of the other family members have they worked for or still working for the company as well? Uh, my sister Lyndall. Yeah. She's my executive VP. Okay. Um, We've, we, she came to work here, I think eight years ago, eight or nine. Uh, we basically plucked her away from healthcare and, uh, put her in a more of a purchasing slash HR department. And then, um, after my dad died, her and I, well, before he died, we, uh, we'll kind of run the show together. And then we've just been that way since. She's my right hand. Um, I I didn't think that her and I would ever be that close, you know, growing up. But now it's it's that way. And my my mother's uh, she works here uh, part time, just helping out with you know uh, clerical stuff, and uh, she keeps us fed quite a bit. She's always bringing food in, and <laughs> she she wants she's she's a busybody, you know. She's she's like she's just constantly going and. You know, she's, she sprays weeds here. She's got a, <laughs> she's got a backpack leaf blower that, you know, I think she has an unhealthy relationship with, but yeah, it's, <laughs> she's always doing something. She keeps the place looking good, which, which is something we don't have time to do. <laughs> the business was started by great grandfather, grandfather, something like that. My, or? my great, great grandfather, great, great grandfather. Ooh, way back. Yeah. Yeah. So we're currently uh my sister and our fifth generation whoa excellent yeah we started in 1895 about two blocks away from where we're at right now and it was it was it your product is based on some or is what they used to call um wasn't like farm all or something like that uh we uh when we when we started with the jacks we started with jacks in 1905 and they were handyman handyman okay yeah that was the name brand uh that we still actually make a handyman jack which is the same jack as the regular high lift except it's all black and it has handyman and hair manufacturing on the stickers and instructions and stuff like that okay 
and there's uh, still a few small groups of the country that will not buy a high lift jack because it has to be a handyman and that's so we make them a handyman jack <laughs> absolutely i completely yep. understand that yep. and so the all the manufacturing is done there in your in your area um all of it except for like the castings and we obviously don't roll the steel okay um but we do all the all the machining uh any of the punching, uh, forming, welding, finishing, painting, assembly, packaging, all that's here. And do you mind if I ask how many employees you have? I've got, I've got right at 44 right now. And is that high or low for? That's, that's low for, uh, my tenure. Um, we've, we've been right around 50 for a while and, you know, not, there's not really a reason we're not at 50. It's um, we're, we're getting by with 44. We didn't replace when a couple people left Okay. Um, d- during like the COVID time when they could go work somewhere and make really big money real quick. Um, we just didn't have to replace those positions. We were able to fill in with our current staff. And you're the majority of your business now is still farming or is it, uh, or I it's, say it's a ranch. It's automotive and off automotive. Automotive okay. and off road. Yeah, off road's probably eighty uh, percent. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And, you know, we, we still do some farm and ranch stuff. Uh, seems like that market's more uh, price conscious, price price conscious than you know our world. Um, so they look at our product as as a disposable tool. So they end up buying a you know a cheaper import in those situations sometimes. Right. I understand that. That's a, that's a shame because, uh, you know, those, those cheaper ones, you end up having to replace, you know, if you replace it two times, you're going to be right about the same price. I would imagine. Well, and and now with, uh, the way like the Chinese shipping is, um, you know, they're right there at the same price as us. Right. Sometimes side by side, they're, you know, within two or $3. Yeah, that's that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. So, what was your when you first came back? You were you a line manager or plant manager had uh, had left, and you stepped in at that position. But I'm sure that uh, as you were growing up, you probably had some odd jobs or part time well, jobs I mean, there. As long as OSHA is not listening, I've had a time card here since I've been nine. Okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, I worked here in the summers. I, you know, watched cars and I did all the mowing. Uh, then in high school when I was actually legal to work with a work permit, um, that's, that's when the fun started when I got, you know, put on the assembly line or the paint line and, you know, just did entry level, um, the manufacturing work. And at that time, did you, did you learn about a lot about the business beforehand? No, I mean, I knew what my dad brought home from, and in the evenings, you know, I knew, I knew the drama. Um, I knew all the guys here. Cause I mean, I was here every, you know, this town, so I, we lived, uh, three blocks away from the plant. So this was on my way home from school. When I'd walk home. So we would stop at the factory. So I always knew everybody and I knew the idea of what they did. I guess I did. I still don't know everything that we do, (laughs) but but yeah, I understood what was going on, I guess. Okay. And when, um, when your, your dad became ill and you were, you had to step up to the plate, what was your, what was your thought process at that time? Oh, it was, I, I I mean, I was scared. Obviously I was, you know, I was probably more concerned about losing him than anything else just because of, you know, what Lyndall and him and I had built around us. I mean, we, we got this amazing team here that, you know, everybody is like an expert in their department. So, I mean, it was, it was no, there was no concern about, any type of catastrophic failure or, you know, something being overlooked. 
after he got sick, um, we had, you know, these, these guys carried the whole place through that whole period of time where it was rough for everybody. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's important in a transition like that. Yeah, there, there was, there literally was hardly any transition. I mean, the biggest transition I think for, for anyone was me. Cause I finally got to get out of my old office and move into one that was just mine <laughs> and not a, not a, not a conference room, you know, and, and it had a door. <laughs> I could shut. <laughs> I could just I see you the first day. I got day. a TV now. <laughs> I could just see you in the first day. Does it have a lock on the door? Yes, it does. So, so you can lock yourself in there, turn on the yep. TV, and and pretend you're not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the door, the, this is place, I mean, you should see it. I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised nobody's walked in right now. My door's shut. But that doesn't stop anybody from coming in. That's <laughs> that's what kind of that's what kind of operation I'm in charge of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So let's talk about uh, how you got into rock crawling uh, and my. competitions. <laughs> well, that was uh, that was just a uh, I think a couple guys having too many beers and deciding that they were gonna try this dumb sport. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, my, my driver, Smitty, he, uh, he conned me into doing it and we had a lot of fun with it. And it was, it was just interesting. The whole, the whole sport or the whole, the whole time we did it, you know, we never, I don't think we ever podiumed anywhere. I I saw it last night in my office at home though. We do have three trophies. Oh, there you go. You had to podium then. I guess we did. I think there was only two people in that event. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Nobody. I'm going to. I'm going to just erase that part out of there because nobody needs to know that. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You always win if you're the only one there. No, yeah. it was it was fun. Uh, we learned a lot about our uh, physical, mental, and uh, you know, just our capabilities that we had as humans. <laughs> right. And, and I I never. I never was good enough and he never listened enough enough. So it didn't, you know, that's just the way it worked out. <laughs> Patience. But we had a lot, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> that's good. We usually put on, we usually put on the best show. I mean, that was, that was kind of the, you could have used us as like your, for your radio ads, you know, <laughs> come watch Austin and Smitty flip over and break all their shit. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, you know, like Dustin Webster was always fond of saying, if you can't win the show, be the show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, and, and marketing partners, of course you were the marketing partner, um, you know, was, uh, what they are more interested in, of course, is brand recognition and people being, you know, becoming familiar with, with the products. Um, so, you know, that was, that was good. Oh yeah. It was definitely good. It was definitely good for the business. I mean, you know, it, you know, showed people that we could, you could still use this type of product even in a race setting. I mean, I remember one time, I think we were, oh, it was either in Tennessee or the Badlands. I can't remember which one, but we had flopped over and you were walking around with your microphone and you were like, man, you know, sure would be nice to use a high lift jack in this situation. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. (laughs) I just remember being like, damn it, Rich, it's 100 degrees outside. And now you're going to make me unbolt this thing and use this jack on the side of this hill to try to get Smitty flipped back over with 30 seconds to go in the race. Come on. <laughs> well, that's my job is to point out I the know. obvious. <laughs> I know. I don't like to look at the obvious sometimes. <laughs> Especially when it involves uh, blood, sweat, and possibly tears. <laughs> I think there was all of those that weekend. <laughs> uh, too funny. Yeah, I remember Smitty got mad at me one time. Um, he's probably still mad at me about it, but we were down in Texas at K2, and he was up on top of this hill, and, and he had laid it over, and there was I, – I said the same kind of comment, but I think he was – it had, like, broken a C or something like that. Yeah. And he was trying to to – and I don't remember if it was he was trying to get the high lift off of the rig or what was happening. But I said, I said something, you know, some smart ass remark like, Oh, here's the, uh, 
the high lift sponsored driver and he's having problems using his high lift. And he got really <laughs> upset with me. Um, of course I found it funny and everybody laughed. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Smitty wasn't too happy with that one. So Smitty, yeah, if you hear this, love you, man. Miss you. <laughs> yeah. Miss you, man. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that Jack on the back of that thing, my gosh, it was just mangled. I mean, it had been, that thing rolled every weekend and I remember we had to use it for something like in the, in between runs. Like, I don't know if we had to plug a tire or what, but I just remember it, it took like a hammer and a huge pair of channel locks to even get it off the mount because they were all bent. And, I mean, it was good product testing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It worked. I, I like the jacks. They, um, used improperly like anything else they can be uh they can be exciting um yeah but typically i i don't for some reason i think i'm just too soft of a wheeler i don't i don't use a lot of throttle but typically when i'm carrying it it's other people that end up using it yeah that's the way i think we i think I, i like to say we build our rigs too good but um yeah that's that seems to be the case for us too and Anytime I'm on a trip or a jamboree or any place like that, it it never fails. I'll be in the back of the group, and they'll call out on the CB, "Hey, Austin, bring the high lift up here." I'm like, "Gosh!" So I got to trek it all the way from the back to the front, and then <laughs> by the time I get up there, they've usually got it fixed or figured out another way. And I'm carrying it back, <laughs> <laughs> but at least like, you get to I'm... show off the product up and down the line yeah. of cars. Yeah, there you go. Hopefully I don't hit anybody's car with it when I'm walking by. <laughs> oh, too much. So what kind of uh what kind of product line is involved with the high lift besides just the jack itself? I know that there's a lot of accessories and that you guys are constantly coming up with new things. Do you want to talk yeah, about we, that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. We've got um several several accessories probably close to 30 or 35 actual line items. And on the accessory side, you know, it's just a variety of mounts, uh, different ways to mount it, vehicle-specific mounts, um, recovery accessories that, you know, hook to the jack to make it a more useful tool. Like we've got one that turns your jack into basically a hand winch and with the right setup and technique, I mean, it's really effective and pretty fast. But, you know, it's, it's, it's work. It's a lot more work than pushing the button on your worn winch, but it's, it's a great alternative. Right. But I've seen a lot of winches, especially nowadays with, uh, people buying price point instead of quality Yeah, that, uh, you know, they've bought this, uh, no name Chinese made winch and they go to, uh, you know, go to use it and it, they let all the smoke out or there was no smoke installed in it to begin with. Right. And uh, then they're stuck and somebody else has to come along. So, you know, it's, uh, again, it's another th- reason to buy quality instead of uh, price point. Yeah, that's that's one thing that we really, we try to figure out first is, you know, anytime we come up with a new widget or even the jack on a daily basis, I mean, each one that goes out the door has been, load tested to like 7,000 pounds and each one's been mechanically tested by a human with a really light load, which is harder to make the jack function properly than a heavy load. Right. And and if they get kicked out, if they don't work, I mean, these guys, they're all about kicking them out. So the guy that does repairs has more work to do. So it's, uh, you know, every one of them's tested and that's when we get a lot of calls. People are like, oh, man, I got my jack in the mail, and it's got a scratch up the bar. Yeah, because we used it. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not a, we wanted to make sure it works for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny how people have confused them with, uh, with machine guns. Oh, gosh. I, I saw that somewhere on Twitter years ago, and I was like, holy cow. <laughs> That's why those people look at me when I'm driving down the road, you know, with this jack strapped to the hood. They probably think I've got some kind of assault rifle on the hood. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So the, um, the last time I needed one, I didn't have it. I was, uh, 
on the Rebel Rally, which is that all women's navigational rally. Yeah. And I I have an adventure trailer that's okay. sitting on 35s and you know, it's got the rooftop tent and it's got all our gear packed into it and a, you know, it's got a full kitchen and that kind of stuff and a shower and I had uh unhitched it at night so that I could uh drive the truck around Vegas and then when I got back and hitched it up in the morning it was raining and it was dark and I'd forgot that I had taken out an intermediate pin on my lock and roll hitch so okay. where there's three pins com- to, to complete the assembly for my hitch I'd only put two in I drove away through the parking lot did a couple two or three turns stop sign turned left onto the main street and all of a sudden I hear this dragging sound and Shelly goes the trailer I hit the brakes the trailer slides up hits my tailgate on my Raptor so I'm the only one to put a dent in my Raptor so far and I get out and I look at it and I'm like great now what do I do and of course Shelly goes well can you use the high lift on it and I said that would be a great idea (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't bring it. <laughs> you brought the you literally brought the kitchen sink. <laughs> Correct. But not the high lift. Because the high yeah. lift, it doesn't work on I mean, it would be really difficult to use on the raptor. So right. I'm like, okay, it's still with the Jeep. Man, it would really be nice to jack this trailer up now. And I couldn't Sounds do like it. To, couldn't lift it up myself. So now it's Sounds on like there. you need to call somebody, yeah, to yeah. Get you a mount set up for that. Exactly, because right now it's you know you know a guy. Yeah, <laughs> right now it's wire tied on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to fix that. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I, I've got a similar story to that though too. Uh, my my dad and I uh, years ago we went to Indianapolis or somewhere you know a couple hours away to pick up his boat. It was getting serviced, and we we'd taken our work truck, which was a dually, and we were driving down. They they hitched it up, and it wasn't. It was like. 24 25 foot boat and hitched it up and we were driving down the road and i looked in the mirror and saw the tongue of the trailer was head level with me and it popped off the ball it was one of those screw top hitches like you you set the ball you set it on the ball and then you turn this big knob like a like a water spigot knob right and that's what tightened it down Evidently, the guy that hooked it up did not know that, and uh, it bounced off, and it landed on the flatbed of the truck, and then by the time I hit the brakes and then pulled over to try to remedy this situation, it had fallen off the bed of the truck, and it was you know, in the ground, um, and we had to actually have a tow truck come, and they used a high-lift jack to jack up the tongue of the trailer <laughs> to put it back on. <laughs> Did you guys have uh, any any stickers on your vehicle that said high lift at that time? Uh, yeah, just down the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did the did the tow truck driver ask you the obvious question? <laughs> um, no, my my dad mentioned it to him right out of the gate. He's like, you know, for a guy that owns an off road company, you would think that he would have <laughs> the product, his product. <laughs> nope, we didn't. <laughs> Yeah. So That's not awesome. a, I think it was like a hundred and fifty dollar bill, <laughs> <laughs> and you could have bought one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could have bought one too um, at that point. Yep. So then, um, the the business where is where is that going in the future? Well, uh, in the future, it is we are plugging along as hard as we can. Um, we've done. We're working on our second uh, uh, building expansion in the past five years. Right now, it's it's hopefully going to be done by the end of this year. That's good news. Um, yeah, I I hired a full time R and D guy, uh, so it's not just me and the other guys. You know, meeting for two or three minutes at a time to develop new products. And he's also an enthusiast, so that helps out for the need of what what our community needs. Um, we invested in uh, some CNC machines finally, 
So I brought in a new, brand new mill and brand new lathe. Um, we've done major infrastructure upgrades as far as, uh, you know, our computer systems and we're, we're up to date now with, with the times. Um, but we're just going to keep, uh, plugging along. We've got a, a new model of Jack we're playing with a little bit and, uh, hopefully that will be on the market within the next year or so. We just, we want to get it right. Right. We don't want to, we don't want to be somebody that just puts something out there to put something out. And, you know, just the goal is try to do two or three new products a year and see where we can end up. Well, I want to remind you, you know, we have this magazine that we would love to have (laughs) some, uh, some content for. So keep us in mind on that. Yeah. I mean, our, we've, I think I think COVID got everybody away, like in in our office, away from worrying about advertising for some reason. Um, I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. But you know, we we were one of the few companies that just went crazy during COVID. I uh, I sent everybody home except for like eight of us for eight weeks, paid and. Uh, thought okay we'll get over this whole mess well the covid wasn't even in our area like nobody got sick till the fall and so we sent everybody home too early and uh, as soon as we brought everybody back on june 1st the floodgates opened up on ordering i mean we had record we had two record years back to back and it was all during covid which I guess people were not, you know, they weren't going to the beach. Right. You know, they were, they were going to the hills and to the woods and, you know, they, everybody has their COVID purchase that they bought, you know, whether it be, you know, an above ground pool, a new TV, or in a lot of cases, it was a four door Wrangler. Yes. And now they've got this investment that they, you know, have to use, you know, they could, they, they can't go out and sell it at the yard sale. You know, it's, they're stuck and they, and they enjoy the lifestyle. So I think that's really helped us grow and helped us get to the point where we realize we want to grow even more. Excellent. Excellent. It's, it's a fun experiment. <laughs> right. And then if you can keep that kind of growth, um, or at least, you know, stabilize it through, yeah. through times like now, um, you know, with, with the economy, um, being, well, I guess, I guess the government's telling us it's not a recession, right. but bullshit. Um, and then fuel prices, they're starting to finally come down after they forced them up so high. Um, you know, it's still, you know, people are not traveling we see it on the roads all the time. We used to, our traffic on the interstates right now, except for U-Hauls heading west or excuse me, heading from the west to the east. Right. Um, you know, we're not seeing a lot of motorhomes. We're not seeing a lot of guys towing their Jeeps. Um, I think people are staying a lot more local. I don't know about the how the four-wheel drive clubs and, like, jamborees and stuff are doing attendance-wise. But I know it's 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 affected our events somewhat. Um, yeah. You know, people are not driving, you know, over 100 miles to come watch the events anymore. Right. And, you know, a lot of that, too, I mean, I think, Personally, during during the COVID time, you know, our activities changed. I mean, we all end up sticking closer to home and, you know, started doing things more local. It seems like well, at, at our house, at least, I don't right. not know for everybody, but, you know, that's that's some of that plays into that. We saw we saw growth during both those years in not only competitors, but in spectator counts. Mm-hmm. And then this year. Both of those have, it, it's, it was continual growth over those two years, you know, 2000, 2001, and it's been slowed down this year. We're not seeing that, that explosive growth, but I know that like, there's a lot of guys out there still building cars and they're having problems getting parts or yeah. guys that have sold their cars, building new cars and are not getting the parts that they thought they could get it, it quickly. Um, so the, you know, I, I think for 2023, we're going to see more growth 
as far as competitors, I think spectators will start coming back as the fuel prices come down. But, you know, it's, uh, it's really good to, uh, to be able to weather those. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I am, I, when, when all this started happening, I was like, Oh, great. You know, I mean, especially when COVID first started, it was like, we just made all these investments. We, you know, made this plan to grow this thing, you know, brought in the R and D guy, brought in all this stuff. And then, you know, March 23rd happened. And it's like, Holy shit. (laughs) Right. This is, this is not good. (laughs) So can we, uh, can we talk personal family? Okay. Um, you, uh, you're married. Yep. And have married, uh, since 2011, we got married. I think that's right. And where did you? It better be right. Uh, we actually met at a bar. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, she's old. Well, not old. She's older than me. Um, she was married before and she moved away to Georgia. And then after when she came back and I met her at our local establishment here in town and, uh, asked her out on a Harley ride. Oh, she was telling a story. She, her and her best friend were sitting in a booth. This is kind of comical, but her best friend used to babysit me. So that was my, that was my avenue to sit down. I haven't seen my old babysitter in a long time. So she was, my wife now was uh, telling a story about how she got, asked out by um, uh, a patron of the soup kitchen she worked out that morning. And, you know, she's like, all I need is somebody that's got a driver's license and a job. You know, if you got those two things, whatever. And my buddy who was sitting there with me kept hitting me. I was like, dude, what do you, he's like, ask her out. I mean, she's like unattainable. You know, I mean, she's older. She's, she's way too good for me. And I said, well, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to go on a Harley ride? You know, I'd had a Harley. I was cool back then. You know, I had a Harley and had good hair. (laughs) (laughs) You know, 25 or whatever, invincible. And she's like, sure. And she gave me her number. And I guess later I found out, you know, she was hoping that I wouldn't call to confirm. (laughs) But being persistent that I was, I did. And she went. And then the rest is history. So. So she told you that she was hoping that you wouldn't weren't going to call after she gave you the number. Yeah. Yeah. She, she told me that like about two or three months later. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, actually, I don't know why I remembered to call, but I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of on you. But no, it, we, uh, we went through, uh, well, how many years, probably eight, eight or nine years of, you know, never wanting kids. Uh, it was nice because on Wednesdays she would call me or Thursdays, whatever. She's like, Hey, I just found a great deal on plane tickets to New York. I'm like for when she's like for tomorrow. I said, okay, call the dog sitter and let's go. And that's what, I mean, we just used to go anywhere at the drop of a hat. And then one fateful day at church, uh, foster family in our church had a little boy and I look over and she's holding him and I'm like, Oh shit, here we go. Here we go. And, uh, well, we started babysitting a little bit and the next thing you know, it's like, well, we have to have him, you know, he's meant to be ours. And through a two and a half year battle with the state and attorneys and, all that fun stuff. Uh, we finally got to adopt him and that was last September. So now I have a four year old and that's a big change. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. I yeah. Would but imagine. He's, he's, he's cool though. He's in the Jeeps. Um, he only wants to take the big Jeep with the back on it, which is a gladiator. He doesn't, he doesn't want to take the JL. He wants the big Jeep with the back on it. That's the only one he wants to ride in. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a picture of him out front of my driveway, uh, where I was washing the gladiator one day or something to it. And I looked over and he is passed out on the tire, like head in his hand, 
head on the tire. I mean, they're forties, so it's like perfect for his arm. When this little guy and he uh, is asleep, standing up at the jeep. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, but he, you know, he doesn't want to drive a truck when when he gets bigger. He says, and he, he wants either mommy's Bronco or my Jeep. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, excellent. I'm I'm glad to hear that uh, that your your family is rounded out. Yeah, it's 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 rounded out with him and the two dogs. It's it's full. Do you have a full, white picket fence? I do not. I have a black wrought iron fence. We're okay. steel people, man. We're steel. You know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. We're steel and stone. You know, steel and her stone. family. Her family comes from uh, uh, monument makers. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, her dad was a, a judge, and her grandfather ran a monument shop. So we are very steel and stone people. So um, has she ordered your monument yet? No. Good, um, good, good. good. <laughs> she has not. <laughs> no. I don't. I, I don't know where I'm going to be because I've got. I know I'm not going to be in the ground, but um, the. My family plot is not by her family plot. She doesn't want to be in my family plot. I don't want to be in hers. So I think we're going to have like two stones. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to, to see Austin go south and turn left. You, know? <laughs> you could always put it up at the building, right? Yeah. I mean, that's probably where they'll have to haul me out of anyway. True. So, True. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's got a hell of a travel list if I go before her to put my ashes out there. She's probably going to need some help to find some of these places that I've found <laughs> in Utah and Colorado. Where you want to be, be able to, uh, yeah. to continue watching the views. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I found a place out there this past year that was the craziest view I've ever seen. One of our good friends, Bill Burke, took us on a, a two-day camping trip from Grand Junction to Moab, all off highway, and it was uh, we caught some pretty good sunsets. That's for sure. Was was that the uh, Rim Rocker Trail? Uh, no, it was part of the. Oh, what's the what's the little uh, Native American guy? Oh yeah, the uh, Copapelli. Uh, Cop- yeah, Copapelli is part of that, and then some other ways that he goes. Okay. Cool. So what is your favorite area to wheel? I have to say Moab. I mean, I it used to be Teleco back in the day. Um, that was always fun. But, you know, Indiana's just, it's a lot of mud and tight trails. And my, my rigs are not set up for that right now. Right. They're more... Uh, anything west of the Mississippi is what I tell the guys. They can take them wherever they want. They just got to be west of the Mississippi. But <laughs> I, I would say, I'd say Colorado is probably my favorite. Okay, like the Georgetown area, and uh, from there to Breckenridge, um, we've had a lot of fun out there. All up in the high so, mountains. Yeah, yeah. And neither one of us, my wife and I, don't get altitude sickness, so we don't we don't mind that. I mean, it's not, we don't go running, <laughs> well, right. I don't run anywhere, but you know, we don't, but it's, it doesn't bother us too bad. She did, uh, she actually drove over Red Cone Pass last time we were out there. And, nice. uh, yeah, that she didn't want to after we got almost up there, but there was nowhere to get out to switch drivers. You know, if you get out, you're going over the edge on either side. <laughs> so, and we stopped at the top and I was like, man, this, that plane is really, really loud. Well, it's because we were like at fourteen thousand feet. We were a lot closer, a lot closer to it than what we are normally. <laughs> yeah, you're halfway there because yeah, most of those yeah, things fly at like thirty to thirty-five thousand. So right, but no, Colorado is probably my favorite place to wheel. Well, good. Um, do you still? Did you get to Easter Jeep this last year? Yeah, yeah, we did. We uh, we uh, we came in there for like two days. We did the camping trip before. And we didn't go to the vendor show. Okay. Um, we just, we kind of did it really weird. We did, um, we did the camping trip and then we stayed at, uh, 
I can't remember what it was called. It's a little roadside motel in in downtown Moab. <laughs> it was like an old school um, motor inn type place. Right. Yeah, we stayed there for a couple of days and then came home. Yeah, I only got a couple of days there. I I I drove in on like the Thursday before something like that and then had to fly back to Texas to get I drove in with the semi truck. So I got there like on Monday, Sunday, and then turned around, flew back to Texas, drove the the Raptor back out and then spent 2 days there. And then had to fly to California oh. or I drove yeah. to California from there and uh, in an emergency. And it was like, man, two days in Moab and all that driving yeah. and none of it. I mean, one, one trail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we did like, we did two, we did two full days of trail and, uh, and with Robbie from here was with us and, when he leads the trail, it's, you know, you better pack a lunch. And if you're going to want to eat dinner, you just better just throw that out the window. Cause he just does not stop. I mean, it was fine. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, but we covered so much ground because it was just the two of us, the two rigs. I mean, we, I think we probably did 70 or 80 miles a day. Nice. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Very nice. I had, we did Cane Creek for the first time. Um, I was with, Charlene and Ben Bauer. Um, yeah. And we had, uh, I had never done Cane Creek and I didn't realize, I just thought Cane Creek, you know, you follow the creek and then you turn back out of it. I didn't realize oh. that you go up that canyon wall at the end. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, we had a, a bunch of the girls from uh, the Ladies Off Road Network that had not, their only wheeling experiences was basically that week there. And they'd done Top of the World and then Cane Creek. So when they got to Hamburger Hill, it was uh, it was an interesting situation, but the girls handled it really well. And uh, I just had to remind him, don't watch the people in front of us because they didn't know what they were doing. And we were not going to let them drive off the cliff like the others looked like they were going to. They just yeah, trust us and we'll oh. get them up it. <laughs> Did you see the uh, – was that wreck still down there at the bottom? There was – Past Hamburger Hill on, on the left down in the gorge, there was a car or something that went off that road. No, I At didn't. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would kind of weirded me out. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's, I can see why it can happen. Um, people not knowing what they're doing and uh, or following the spotting of somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, I witnessed it. Like I said, the group in front of us. Um, had no clue what they were doing. Every single car was sideways on that hill and, you know, through Hamburger Hill. And it was like, what are you guys doing? You know, come on. And uh, you feel obligated to get out and help at that point. You know, I'm really cautious about that just for the simple fact that uh, people don't always take it right. Right. You know, when you walk up and say, hey, you know, um, would you like me to help you to go through this instead of your friend? Cause your friend's an idiot. You know yeah. what I mean? Maybe I'm approaching it the wrong way, but. <laughs> Especially when you're like me and just an asshole people. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be. <laughs> well, my, my, we my BS years before Shelly, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have those too. BA before Alicia. Exactly. That's how we, that's how we describe stuff to our son sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Daddy used to it. have all these cool toys. <laughs> <laughs> so then you're expanding the bu- the building, the buildings, and yeah. bringing in equipment and everything to work on uh, to do more stuff in house, or just to be more efficient. Uh, both. Um, we're going to bring some of the work that we usually have outside finishers do. Uh, we're going to start doing some of that more here or have the capabilities here for, you know, more production demand um, and readiness. Um, we also are lucky to have a, we've got a Navy base 12 miles away from us. Okay. It's a landlocked Navy base. Yeah. I was just going to ask that. I'm glad you. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's different. Um, that employs most of our area and they have a ton of contractors 
and you know and there's all these other little machine shops around you know that feed off of this place i mean they, they just have so much work that needs to be outsourced for all the things they make and we're hoping to get into that um we could do it right now but i don't have the all the manpower in place and i don't want to do it half-assed right i'd rather just be 100 percent. and we're going to kind of go a little direction um of actually being bloomfield manufacturing again to where we can you know we can do we're a manufacturing facility we can make anything so i mean why are we closing our doors to outside work that's one of one of my five-year goals is to get that turned up and to make that happen because we've got some really good talent here right and diversification doesn't hurt no no it doesn't hurt at all yeah the board likes that Yeah. yeah absolutely well good well, good. Glad to hear that. And uh, so you're going to be more of a job shop? Or are you going to produce things for other people? Or are you going to keep yeah, it all? We'll, we'll do anything. Um, I mean, it sounds like we're desperate, but we're obviously not. But the, you know, we're 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 going to open our doors to make anything for anybody. I mean, we're good at it. Right. My my guys are really good at it, and time management's one of our um, one of our fortes. So we can and we we understand urgency and quality. That's what we're going to try to capitalize on. And you said that'll be Bloomfield. Yeah, we're, we are Bloomfield manufacturing company. Okay. Uh, that's our parent company. All right. It's, it's the same. It's just one company. High lifts is actual division of Bloomfield manufacturing company. Okay. Okay. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking, but wanted to clarify that. Yep. And uh, two two titles. (laughs) Oh, as president and CEO. Okay. Yeah. 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 CEO one and president of the other. Yep. Okay. What, uh, with the child now and not being able to uh, quickly or just overnight say, hey, let's go to New York, what kind of, uh, what kind of time away from work are you guys trying to set up? Um, Well, we've got, you know, a year before he goes to full-blown elementary school. So we're going to try to get away some more, you know, this calendar year. Uh, We go, we typically vacation uh, in the Fort Myers, the Sanibel Captiva area in Florida. And uh, it's kind of been our home away from home. And, you know, do some more of that this year and probably have to start thinking about Disney world again. Uh, get a boat. I I just sold my boat. I'm in the worst oh. place ever. I'm between boats. Ugh. It's horrible. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. I understand. <laughs> we can't get to our boat right now because of, uh, family health issues that we're dealing with. But, uh, and it's and it you know just just sitting there on that boat somewhere is just mm-hmm. it's so relaxing. It doesn't matter where it is. I mean, we we went down one that we used to keep it in Florida when we had when we had boat a boat, and uh, we were down there for our anniversary, and one of the motors blew on the boat that day, and it was still better than a bad day at home <laughs> or on or at work you know it was an expensive day but it was still better than a bad day at work right yeah yeah i've got a i've got a motor that's being worked on right now <laughs> so i know that uh, yeah that's it's never fun I, I grew up on a pretty much on a boat most of my childhood so it's it's kind of in my dna now i need to I make sure i pass that on to the little guy Excellent. If, no, if nothing else, he'll be able to know, he'll know how to drive one. <laughs> right. There's nothing worse than going on a lake somewhere where somebody rents a pontoon boat and nobody knows how to drive the boat. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite, there's a, there's a page or oh, the, the, the chit show. No, um, disqualified captain or something like that or unqualified captain or something, but it, it's all bloopers of people, you know, screwing up in the marinas, you know, trying to launch a boat, you know, smaller boats, things like that. 
Um, and then the other one is uh, that um, there's an inlet near Miami. Hallover. Hallover, yep. Yeah. So, watching some of those videos is just absolutely hilarious when you see how stupid people can be. Dude, that place is crazy. That, those those passes like that are just insane. I mean, you can sit there and watch that stuff all day long and it'd just be comic. Yes. I mean, w- even when you see the police boats end up on the rocks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I would try to avoid that place. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, we want to do the loop. And uh, one of the things that we're going to, you know, we're going to stick probably to the Inland Passage most of the way where okay. it's available. But, uh, yeah, I do not, I don't want to go through Hanover if it's ever, if the seas are ever really big. Yeah. Even though my boat's big and would handle it just fine, I think, I don't, I don't like the idea. that <laughs> We don't need to spill your drink. I mean, <laughs> I just drink 7-Up. Okay. <laughs> well, you don't want to spill that because then the ants will come. Yeah. Yep. The ants will get all over the boat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. So anything else that we haven't touched on with the business or your personal life you'd like to share with us? Um, I don't really know. Uh, this The business side has really kind of just become my personal life, I guess you'd say. <laughs> um, it's... I kind of wear it on my sleeve. It seems like um, I feel like my my wife probably works here too because she gets to hear about my whole day as soon as I get home. So I have to relive it again when there's <laughs> issues and drama and you know the joys of being in a family business. Um, it's 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 fun. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Life is fun. Yeah, yeah, that is fun. All right. Well, Austin, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and sharing uh, your history with us and and talking about uh, your personal life and uh, and and High Lift and Bloomingfield Manufacturing and uh, Bloomfield or Bloomingfield Bloomfield Bloomfield Bloomfield. I, yep. I added an ing in there that shouldn't have been Bloomfield yeah. Manufacturing. Well, great. Um, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. And it's uh, a good time. We need to get caught up again, man. It's been a while yes. since I've seen you. I know. I, I think I should be at SEMA this year, barring any catastrophe like last year, where uh, we we got COVID right in the middle of it, and it was I didn't get to go. But this year, fingers crossed. Well, hopefully, so. we'll see you there if we decide to go. Right now, we're we're not because of the situation we're on. We're in here right. in Northern California. We're going to hit the. Uh, Going to fly down real quick for the off-road, the Ormhoff Off-Road Motorsports Hall of Fame dinner. Okay. And then turn around and come right back is our plan so far, but we'll see how things go. Okay. Well, we'll cross paths again someday soon, I'm yep. sure. I hope so. Okay. Austin, thank you All very right. much. We'll tell Shelly I said hello. We'll do that. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message, and let me know uh, any ideas that you have, or if there's anybody that you have that you think would be a great guest, please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.